You know, beloved listeners, the stories of daring spies and espionage during World War II have inspired, well, countless books and movies, most famously, of course, Ian Fleming's character of James Bond. But you're about to learn the story of an Australian-born spy you've probably never heard of, a bloke called Charles Howard Dick Ellis. Born into difficult circumstances in Annandale, uh, that's here in Sydney, uh, Dick Ellis eventually became one of the top secret agents in the world working for MI6 in the 30s and 40s. Ellis later helped establish our ASIO and uh, advised the Americans on their own intelligence apparatus. But uh, in the 1980s, years after his death, Ellis was spectacularly accused of having operated as a triple agent for both the Soviets and the Nazis. It was a stunning allegation, but was Ellis guilty? Best-selling author Jesse Fink has attempted to find out the truth once and for all, and we welcome him to our little wireless program. His new book is called Eagle in the Mirror, in search of Australian war hero, master spy and alleged traitor, Charles Howard Dick Ellis. And uh, Jesse joins me from, of all places, Vietnam. Jesse, how did you first come across Ellis? I understand it was a, a happy meeting in an op shop. It was during the coronavirus sort of lockdown and my father and I more or less... Uh, the only thing that we were doing was sort of going and visiting the local Vinnies in Leichhardt and buying books and, uh, you know, we were looking for cafes where we could sit and we really couldn't sit anywhere. So this this local St Vincent de Paul was open and I think he picked up a copy of uh, uh, A Man Called Intrepid, which was about um, uh, British security coordination um, and William Stevenson in the 1940s, and, and Dick Ellis was actually Stevenson's deputy, and and uh, Ellis had actually written the the forward for that book. So you know, Fred mentioned to me that you know he sort of seen this reference to Dick Ellis, and he said, "Oh, you know, that might actually be an interesting book." And um, I had just finished writing a book about cocaine trafficking, and I was looking for something else to do. And it just uh, seemed like a sort of a remarkable untold story. So I, you know, I went to Wikipedia and found that there was a, a small article on Ellis, but there really wasn't that much else on the internet about him at all. Um, and that in so itself went, is astonishing, I think. Yeah, and it, it was ironic too that you know we were, you know, my dad lives in Annandale and I live in Leichhardt, and uh, you know this this incredible Australian that sort of who had this remarkable story. Um, hadn't had his story told whatsoever. Um, and I, when I looked into the, the background of Ellis and all the things that he had done, I thought, you know, my God, I can't believe someone hasn't attempted a biography. And, and very quickly I realised why, because there really wasn't much on him out there at all. Let's begin at the beginning in the aforementioned Annandale. Here he's born in 1895. That's right. Um, and, you know, actually I, I went out and uh, with my daughter and we actually walked up and down Annandale Street um, looking for his house and contacted the local council and tried to sort of uh, 
you know, get the records of where the Ellis family had been living and, we, you know, we found the house. He had a, a turbulent childhood. Well, his father was very poor and, and his mother died uh, when he was very young. Uh, and uh, so essentially, you know, he was raised by his uh, his father who was, you know, financially struggling. So he was sort of shuttled around sort of various parts of Australia, um, sort of went down to Tasmania at one point and ends up in Gippsland uh, and then in a, like a boarding house in Melbourne. And in 1914, he decided to sort of sail off for England. Now, before we get to that, he manages to stay at school and shows some academic talent in a number of areas, apparently. Yeah, well, he was he was deeply into literature, and and he sort of had uh, been taken under the wing of a, a, a kindly teacher in um, uh, in Malvern in Victoria, uh, and he took up uh, various musical instruments and sort of showed sort of great promise with uh, with music. So he was in sort of uh, a number of orchestras in Melbourne. He was attending night classes at Melbourne University. Has a um, has an aptitude for languages, which will in due course transform him into something of a polyglot. That's right, and you know, deeply into Dickens, and and uh, you know, fascinated by Russian history, and that was really kind of the the thing that really gave him sort of uh, the platform for joining MI6. How does he escape the well, the suffocations of suburban life and get to the UK? Do you see? Uh, well, he just uh, managed to get a sort of a cheap passage to to England. You know, rocked up in London, wasn't very impressed with London at all, and uh, decided to sort of enlist in the British Army. I guess by virtue of the fact that his his father uh, was was from England. So he has uh, quite a quite a time of it in the First World War, doesn't he? He narrowly dodges death on it more than one occasion. He was he was injured multiple times. Uh, he fought on the Western Front, including the, the first Battle of the Somme. Um, he uh, ends up in Italy, goes to Egypt, India, and then sort of uh, rocks up in um, southern Russia and um, joins a mission in in Persia and Transcaspia, what is now Turkmenistan. So he he's had a very sort of peripatetic life by his his early twenties. So Persia near the Russian border, and we're talking of a time when uh, Lenin had just seized power. That's right. And uh, so he gets uh, his name, I guess, sort of inextricably linked with this this sort of famous massacre called the 26 Commissars Massacre. Uh, and, you know, the, I guess this is where, you know, part of the mythology around Ellis is, you know, starts because people... Uh, say that you know he had something to do with the massacre of these commissars, and uh, in fact he didn't. You know, but it's you know like, like a lot of stories, it just gets carried away, and, and you know myth myth becomes accepted as truth, and, and that was certainly part of the book was was trying to figure out actually you know whether Ellis had anything to do with this. Now, Jesse, after the war, he's still a young bloke in his uh, well in his mid twenties. He enrolls to study Russian at Oxford, and uh, mm. but there's no sign that he's a Russian-Soviet sympathiser at this point, in fact, rather the opposite. That's right. I mean, from, from a very early age, he, he sort of expressed sort of uh, 
avowedly anti-Bolshevik views. He, he had articles sort of written about, you know, the Soviet menace um, in, a, in, a, in a Melbourne uh, magazine called Stead's Review as early as 1920s. So he was, he was very sort of anti-Soviet and uh, he was anti, very anti-Soviet, you know, for the rest of his life. So this idea that he was a Russian spy... I just uh, just never thought it actually stood up, and 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 I found found no evidence for for this uh, this idea that he was a a covert Russian spy, sort of of the ilk of Fulby. When does he officially join uh, MI6, Jesse? Uh, this was around uh, 1921, so you know there there were suggestions that it was around sort of. 1923, 24, but I think he was re- recruited at Oxford and uh, he went off to Paris and then he went to Constantinople, obviously, uh, Istanbul. There's some dispute about where Alice was living in the 1930s as the Nazis rose to power, isn't there? Mm. Well, he was moving around, uh, well, he was in Switzerland, Austria, uh, Germany, France, England. He was he was moving around a lot, um, and this is sort of where I guess uh, a lot of the charges against Ellis uh, come from is that is that he was sort of uh, involved in uh, selling information to the Nazis uh, prior to the Second World War. Uh, but but, it, but he was cleared it, at the highest level and uh, knew about the successful British. Uh, Code breakers who cracked the Nazi code at Bletchley Park. I mean, he he was at the top of the tree. That's right, and and so you know, but getting back to you know, like his early time back in um, southern Russia, um, he was a, he was a friend of a guy called Reginald Teague Jones, who who was also accused of sort of being involved in this massacre, and, and the Soviets really sort of wanted Teague Jones's head. And so if, if Ellis really were working as a sort of a Russian spy during this time, I think he would have given up his friend, but he didn't. And, in fact, you know, Reginald Teague Jones worked with Dick Ellis uh, in the United States um, in the early 40s. Jesse, is there any possible truth in the idea that Ellis was working with uh, the Germans who were plotting to assassinate Hitler? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Uh, uh, there's a, uh, Ellis's head, uh, a boss at uh, MI6, a guy called Stuart Mingus, or Menzies, as it's spelled. Um, he was collaborating, I guess, or you know, certainly communicating with Canaris. Canaris was one of the uh, sort of the plotters against Hitler, and I, I think that there's a fairly strong case to, to make out that Ellis was involved sort of with uh, Mingus's plans um, to sort of liaise or, or have some sort of unofficial uh, communication with certain Nazi elements. So um, there's there's no evidence of Nazi sympathies from Ellis? Absolutely not. And in fact, there's an essay written by Ellis in, the, in, the, in his papers at the National Library of Australia sort of uh, setting out how, how much he opposed Sort of Nazi, um, the Nazi mentality, the Nazi party, everything about the Nazis. So I don't think there's any suggestion at all that he was was working for the Nazis. But but it's it's sort of stuck 
uh, to this day, and and it's 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 something that's uh, if you if you Google. Ellis's name, basically everything that comes up is that he was a, a traitor to the Nazis. I'm talking to Jesse Fink, who's the author of The Eagle in the Mirror. So through the 40s, Ellis was considered one of the top three secret agents in MI6, influencing operations across half the world, as you say. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, after the war, he was... Uh, awarded a Legion of Merit by President Truman. Um, he was uh, essentially um, sort of sent out to Southeast Asia to sort of run operations there. At one point he was running sort of North and South America for MI6. So he was essentially kind of running MI6 for half the world. Now, in retirement in the 50s, he spends some time in his native Australia where, as I said in introducing you, he helped establish ASIO, clearly still highly regarded in intelligence circles. That's right. So, you know, he came out to sort of head up, or sorry, set up uh, ASIS uh, and ASIO, and when the Petrov defection sort of happened, he, he uh, well, just prior to the Petrov defection, he, he went back to England suddenly and, and there was a suggestion that he sort of went and t- tipped off Kim Philby. And this this you'll find this story in various books that have been written about Australian espionage, And uh, but I just don't think that there's any evidence for that. Now, Ellis dies in 75, which brings us to the, uh, the stunning accusations made against him years after his death. Tell me about Ellis's uh, main accusers, a, a couple of authors that will be well known to many of our listeners in uh, Chapman mm. Pincher and Peter Wright. Yeah, so, so Chapman Pitcher wrote a book in 1981 called um, Their Trade is Treachery, in which the the name Ellis really was first mentioned and, and, and people got to know his story. Um, and obviously uh, Peter Wright was was collaborating with, with Pincher on this book. He, he wasn't credited in the book at all, but he actually got a share of the royalties for the book. Uh, then... Uh, Pincher wrote a follow-up in, in 1984 called uh, Too Secret, Too Long, uh, where he expanded on his allegations against Ellis. And essentially that is that uh, you know, Peter Wright was interrogating Ellis in 1965, that Ellis had made an admission that he had sold some information to the Nazis for money, um, but that he resolutely denied um Collaborate, collaborating with the with the Soviets, uh, Peter Wright then you know got, was was very jealous of, of Pincher's success, and Pincher was had made a lot of money, and so he went out and and wrote Spycatcher, where he essentially retold the story that he had told. Enter stage left, of course, our future Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, who famously mm. defended the publication of Spycatcher in the courts. Yeah, which is, which is very interesting. Um, but you know, actually, nothing was 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 ever really proven against Ellis. Um, the 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 only sort of uh, defence, I guess, of, of what of what uh, Wright had written was that uh, the the British government sort of made a statement that uh, that there was nothing uh, sort of false in the book. But the actual sort of uh, 
case against Ellis has never been com- comprehensively proven whatsoever, other than if you look at the actual sort of uh, the the account by right of of, of what happened in uh, the interrogation room and what Ellis actually said. Um, Ellis was very vague about you know the responses about the questions that he was answering, and when you look at the actual evidence, there's nothing there at all. So you're very dubious about this alleged confession in '65. I just think uh, Ellis was actually covering for his for his superiors at MI6. I think they were involved in some sort of double agentry or triple agentry or some sort of uh, complicated um, game of uh, game of agentry with with the Nazis prior to the Second World War. And I think that the it, it didn't look so good. The optics weren't so good, you know, <laughs> when this when this came up in the sixties. Because it, it turned up in the interrogation reports of, of a few Nazis who were interviewed after the war who said that they had a source in British intelligence called Captain Ellis. Um, but that's not proof of anything. Jesse, you make a delightful point that he continued to receive a pension from MI, from MI6 and even got birthday cards. That's right. So just prior to his, well, actually on the occasion of his 80th birthday, just before his death, he got a, an 80th birthday card from the head of MI6, Morris Oldfield, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, wishing, you, wishing you well, well, Dick, and from, you know, from everyone at MI6, which would suggest that, you know, if they really thought that he was a, a Russian spy or a, uh, sorry, a Russian spy or a Nazi spy, that uh, why, why would he be getting a birthday card? So you've got no doubt that Ellis was innocent. I have no doubt that he was innocent, and I, I certainly think that you know, on the on the, you know, the basis of kind of what he contributed to the, the Allied war effort in the Second World War, that he should be considered a war hero. What about Ellis's uh, living descendants, uh, Jesse? Were they interested in contributing to your book? No, that was the interesting thing. So right, right after you know Fred had suggested uh, you know writing this book, I tried to find um, Ellis's daughter, who I think is in her nineties now, and I didn't actually get onto her, but I got onto her daughter, and essentially the daughter told me to go away and never contact us again um, because I I think that had a couple of bad experiences with with other writers prior to to me contacting them, and they were very wary and. Uh, I can certainly understand their kind of caution. Um, I haven't had any contact with them since that point, but you know, hopefully, you know, they they hear about the book and they know that you know I've done my best to kind of uh, exonerate Dick Ellis. Now, Jesse, I've got to let you go because I know you have to get back to Vinny's to find your next <laughs> your next epic. <laughs> but I've been talking to Jesse Fink, the author of Eagle in the Mirror. In Search of Australian War Hero, Master Spy and Alleged Traitor, Charles Howard Dick Ellis. It's published by Penguin Random House. Good on you, Jesse. Thank you, mate. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.